listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL Show your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. We're free and available on all platforms, now including YouTube. My name is Mary Clark, staff writer for The Win, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mary C. Clark. I'm here with Andrew Berkshire, NHL analyst for the Montreal Gazette and host of Game Over Montreal on the SDPN. You can follow on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. On this Friday edition of the Crosscheck, Jonathan Huberto is having himself a monster of a season. But where do his heart trophy chances stand? Next, the Maple Leafs are getting to know the officials of their games in a very unique way, to say the least. And finally, the President's Trophy is the award that seems to matter the least in the NHL. And is there a way to fix it? So, Andrew, before we start off today's show, how you doing? I'm doing great. I feel fresh and clean, as uh, the viewers on YouTube can see. We both got haircuts, Mary. Mm-hmm. I got my beard all lined up and trimmed. My mustache isn't touching my lips anymore. <laughs> feel really good. Yeah, you're looking good. You're looking good. We're both, you know, as looking you. clean. Yeah, I was going to say, we're both looking pretty clean, feeling fresh. Uh, it's near the end of April. Playoffs are almost here. Spring is hopefully in the air soon. Please, warm weather. I Like I said, I just came back from San Diego, so it's a little bit of a shock that it's not as warm, you know, as it used to be. But, you know, it's, it's good times here and, you know, good hockey. And there's a lot of really awesome stuff to talk about. Probably going to be a shorter show in general because usually the Thursday shows are because uh, there's a little bit l- or less to talk about. And technically, it's a Friday show. I still think it's uh, Thursday when you guys it's hear hard to this. get used technically, to it. It is. And it's technically Thursday for us when we're recording this. So sorry if any of this information <clears throat> is out of date. But the first thing we are going to talk about, uh, because the Florida Panthers have been on a roll recently uh, and looks like no one can stop them, is uh, Jonathan Huberdeau and his heart trophy chances. Because we've talked in the past about Austin Matthews, about Igor Shosturkin as like the, basically the two big front runners at various points during the season. But we really haven't given a lot of lip service to Jonathan Huberdeau. So as of Thursday, Huberdeau has 81 assists this season, which is the most in the NHL since Kucherov in 2018-19. Uh, and he could very well break that because I believe when I looked it up, Kucherov had 87 assists. And I don't know how many games the Panthers have left. But considering that they are the best offense in the league, uh, it's very possible he could, you know, break that number at least. But, you know, it's been a wild amount of assists for him this year. Um, really been a huge part of the reason why the Panthers have been so good. They just have so many good playmakers. I mean, they added someone like Claude Giroux at the trade deadline, who is a known playmaker. And, you know, somebody also like Huberto, who is racking up the assist, leading the NHL in assists, an incredible amount of them. Uh, but it feels like we really haven't talked about him a lot this year, Andrew. And that that's kind of a shame because he's such a fun player, right? Yeah, he is absolutely super fun to watch. And what I find most interesting about Huberto is he was chasing down that record for assists in a season by a left wing, right? And he's now past that. And almost as soon as he passed that, he started scoring a bunch. So it's like he just shifted his focus. And now his numbers look, you know, less um, completely focused on playmaking, which is interesting because... He's a guy who obviously we know can score, but despite the fact that he's having a career year, most of the focus is on his playmaking. He's also tied his career high in goals with a few games left to uh, to break that number. So he's hit 30 goals, 81 assists, 111 points. Um, It's just a really impressive year overall. I think the reason why we don't hear about him so much in the MVP talks is 
you look at Florida and yes, Huberto is having a fantastic offensive season, but I don't think many people think that he's better than Barkov, mm-hmm. right? Barkov is just the better all around player. And when you watch those games, that's also <laughs> readily apparent. Like Huberto is an offensive genius, but Barkov is the, the straw that stirs the drink, we'll say, <laughs> in Florida. So that hurts his chances. But at the same time, he's also just not very good defensively. That's like the main the main cut on, mm-hmm. on Jonathan Huberto. So does he deserve talk in the heart conversation? I would say yes, but he's probably not in that upper echelon. And in terms of guys who um, like maybe don't get enough talk for that award with Matthews and Chesterkin dominating the conversation. He's in there, but also so is like Johnny Gaudreau, Mm -hmm. who's also having a career year in Calgary, who's on the most dominant line in the NHL this year. And how much of that is being on a dominant line, a perfectly put together line? We don't know. It's hard to separate individual talent from, you know, who you're on the ice with. But man, that top line in Florida is scary, too. Like right now, as they're icing it, it's Huberto Barkov Giroux. Yeah, yes, that is that's terrifying. Are you kidding? Me? Oh, like, that's awful. I mean, it's great, but if you're the opposing team, like, what do you do? Like, I you're don't matched know. up. Yeah, you're matched up against that first line, and you're like, what do I do? There's I nothing like you can do. All of your effort has to be to stop them from carrying the puck into the offensive zone, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, all three of those guys are really good at it. Yeah. Right. So if they can get control and start cycling with the passing ability that those three have, yeah. you're in trouble. Yeah, like, it's... Watching the Panthers play, when that line's on the ice, it's like a power play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really they're really fun, and they're the most offensive team in the NHL for a reason. Um, and you bring up good points about, you know, being, like, the strength of the team around you, but I feel like you can make that case for, I guess, every NHL MVP frontrunner. Yeah. I mean, you know, Mc, uh, McDavid, you know, if he's less in the so. conversation yeah less so but you know he still has dry sidle with them which is a really big help but i think maybe mcdavid is the exception to the rule here because we know how talented he is but you know there's still a little bit of that when you you know see him next to uh dry sidle and you know all that stuff i mean matthews is playing on an incredibly deep maple leafs team shesterkin is playing behind i think a good rangers defense i mean he's you know i, I think they're okay at shutting down things and you know he's but he's also just really good so yeah i think you can make that argument for a lot of things but you're right he's definitely huberto is definitely not the best player on his team but it's he's having an incredible season and i hope he gets some looks from the people who are you know the awards voters because you know it's funny this season how we're having such like a lot of nhl players having career years in this season uh, and that, you know, correlates to the jump in offense for sure. And I mean, you mentioned Johnny Goudreau, who we also really should talk about because, you know, in 77 games, he's 38 goals and 108 points overall. And that's, you know, I mean, he's third in the NHL. Currently, McDavid leads uh, with 113 points. Huberdeau is at 111 and Goudreau is third at 108. And for like a day, basically, Huberdeau was leading McDavid, but then McDavid did McDavid things and uh, scored and, you know, had a bunch of assists and, you know, did a whole bunch of stuff. And now he's leading again. But it's funny how a lot of NHL players are having career years this year. I And it's probably de- directly related to the scoring, but it's just, I don't know, this feels like maybe one of the more wide open ones, even though we basically kind of gave it to Austin Matthews the last time we talked about this. But like, it 
there's a lot of players here who are deserving in my opinion and it's yeah and it, it, re it really is it's almost like that what is it is it mean girls where they split the trophy uh thing where you could do that but obviously only or buffy one, buffy or... when uh they, i think they split up the crown as well yeah also true yeah uh so i think like obviously somebody has to win like only one can win that's how this works but like it, it feels like a lot of players are really deserving this year and we don't often get that in heart trophy races but it really feels like this year the the mvp race is not tight but there's just a lot of really deserving players yeah i think this is this is the weird thing about this year is like usually you want the mvp to stand out in a way right mm -hmm. because if if no one stands out away from the crowd then we have to get into things like who do they play with how good is their team how much are they impacting their team to get where they're going, right? Because it's easier to vote on that award if it's just like last year. McDavid, historic offensive numbers. Just uh, the point per game rate that he was on had not been equaled since Gretzky and Lemieux. You know, like he was that good. Um, I believe at the end of the season, the last like 15 games or so, McDavid was averaging something like four and a half points per game. Like it was stupid. It was it was stupid. It might not have been that high. It might have been three and a half, but it, it was something That's still stupid, Andrew. That's it's still, still stupid. stupid. It's still stupid. But it was crazy, which is why it was absolutely wild that Edmonton got swept. But uh, mm -hmm. we won't we won't get into that and make the Oilers fans upset. And it's a new it's a new year. It's a new playoffs. This is true. New year. It's a new playoffs. But I look at all these players and you're right that there's so many players worth pointing out. And like. The thing is, like, Matthews has done something historic this year, right? He's done the 50 and 50. I know it's midseason. I don't care. Uh, it hasn't been done since 1996, since Mario Lemieux did it. Then you have Huberdeau, who set the record for assists by a left wing. Then you have Johnny Gaudreau's line, who is, like, the best. They're controlling play better than any line has in, like, the analytics era. I believe their goals for percentage is over 70%. They are absolutely, completely absurd. So, like, you've got all these players with something. Igor Shosturkin is putting up numbers we haven't seen since Dominic Hasek. You know, like, all these players are doing something exceptional. Mm -hmm. And it kind of sucks <laughs> that we can only award one. Yeah. But that's... That's the, I mean, that's the, the way it works. That's the nature of the beast with stuff like this, unfortunately. Yeah. It really... I feel like Huberto <laughs> will be fine because mm -hmm. the Panthers are probably going to go to the Stanley Cup final. Don't jinx them. I'm very terrified. I had the thought when I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about, you know, the potential for, we talked about it last time, the potential for Washington to jump Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh to get that last uh, spot. And then it'll be uh, Drew versus Crosby. And I can, I can see it in my mind's eye. Sidney Crosby knocking out Claude Giroux <laughs> because it would be because just because it would be to slight me. So I don't want to put that out in the air more than I already have. But yeah, uh, I, I'm sorry, Pittsburgh. I don't I don't see it this year, especially I know. with Gary out right now. I know. But like, here's the thing about Florida, Mary. <laughs> Sam Reinhart is on the third line. Do you have any points Sam Reinhart has this year? Probably a lot. 76. Oh, God, you're right. 76. Oh, oh like, my God. Their third line. They also have Mason Marchment currently on the third line. He has 42 points in 51 games. Lundell also in the 40-point range. Like, uh, Anthony Duclair has over 30 goals. God, He's wow. in the second line. Like, everything is 
popping up roses for them. Sam Bennett <laughs> is having the best year of his career. He's been absolutely money since the Florida Panthers traded Casey for him. Casey DeSmith is, uh, what's that gif? It's like, honey, you've got a big storm coming. That's to Casey <laughs> DeSmith right now. The guy's going to get lit up unless he has a goaltending performance of his life. Or oh, unless, you know, Tristan Jari somehow makes a miraculous recovery. But I swore I saw something there for the team picture. He got basically rolled out onto the ice. So uh, I don't think it's looking good for Tristan Jari oh, right now. good. Yeah, yeah. So I guess before we wrap this up, can you give me, Andrew, who you would have in your top three? for the heart because you mentioned okay. you mentioned that you know huberto probably wouldn't isn't in that top echelon so who would be i mean i think i can guess the first two but who's the third okay so my first is austin matthews i think that's like relatively obvious based on what i've been saying this year my second is shesterkin just because in this year of everybody setting career offensive numbers he's setting career goaltending numbers that's nuts yeah. Right. Like, I think we have to appreciate that. that. That might be something that if voters actually think about it for a few minutes might propel him up to the top. But he's definitely at the very least number two for me right now. And number three, I'm very split on Gaudreau and McDavid. And I don't Ooh. know where I would go because Gaudreau's line is better than McDavid's line. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the underlying numbers, it's very, very difficult to separate the performance of Kachuk, Lindholm, and Gaudreau. And I don't know how much Gaudreau is like contributing to their elite defense, right? Mm -hmm. He's not a high-end defensive player. Whereas McDavid, I know, has taken great strides this year defensively and remains the guy who drags Edmonton through the, <laughs> the season. And the weird thing is about McDavid's season, yeah, he's leading the league in points. He's actually been underperforming his expected point production this year like relatively significantly mm -hmm. so he's been unlucky so I, I i i can't make a choice so that's my here my top i'll four make it for you i'll make it for Gaudreau, you mcdavid because you can have mcdavid i'll take a draw i'll take you there know the go. good old i'll take the good old uh cherry hill local boy johnny Gaudreau, who everybody wants to come to the flyers because of the local connection uh because you're right i i think his season should be celebrated no no sure i'll take the heat for leaving mcdavid off my ballot because you know someone someone's gotta in this someone's gotta in this podcast hand when's the last time we had two americans in the top four for the heart trophy oh, that's a good question and not something i don't think we have time to go uh researching right now but that's true. a good that's a good point like it's it, I think we can just basically end this segment with like there's a lot of really good deserving players even if they weren't named in like you know our top three like Huberto isn't but you know a lot of these players are really deserving of you know accolades and you know being talked about and being celebrated because they're having such great years it's been I think a great year for a lot of uh individual players in hockey especially on offense and hey props to Shesterkin especially for being in the Hart Trophy conversation when there's so many goals being scored around the league and offenses at an all-time high but coming up next we're going to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs as we always do but I thought this was an interesting story because it's so unique and Maple Leafs are posting pictures and names of referees before their games is it weird is it cool will it work we'll come we'll find out coming up right after this this is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. 
Puffs are fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. So good. These are going to be your new favorite. All built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, Puffs included. 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go to Bilts.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, and low carb. Most built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Try flavors such as mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If you think a flavor will be good, they'll make it. It will be delicious, and it will be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, and then figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, Andrew. So like I mentioned before the break, this was an interesting story that caught my eye that I wanted to talk about because I've never seen it before in the NHL. I don't know if you have, but I saw on Twitter that John Tavares was talking about the fact that the Toronto Maple Leafs now post the names and pictures of referees that are going to be officiating their games either on their bench or somewhere in their locker room. I don't know where. I only saw like just the picture. I thought it was on their bench, but they it's very strange to me and but yeah, they're they're doing that now and I don't I don't know what to think about this. Part of me is like this is weird. No one has really done this before. And in my mind, I think of a lot of the complaints that Toronto has had over the season or at least recently with the officiating and it almost feels I don't want to conflate this to the Toronto Raptors and their head coach complaining about the Sixers getting calls because I'm not a basketball person I'm only semi watching it because I have to for work but also it's the Sixers and they're you know a Philly team uh so I don't have a huge stake in that other than you know games are fun whatnot but it almost feels in the same vein of like a not a complaint it just feels weird but then at the same time Tavares's reasoning was like um, you know, in the heat of the moment, if you know somebody's name, um, it'd be like it, you know, it can it can help, you know, create respect and trust. Um, and that makes sense psychologically. So I don't what do you think of this, Andrew? Because I I'm kind of split here and I'm not sure what to think. Yeah. At first I saw this in passing and I thought that it they were talking about the Maple Leafs as an organization posting the names of referees like publicly for fans to see before the games, like scouting the ref, scouting the refs does on Twitter. And that I was like, okay, they're trying (laughs) to get some calls here and trying to put pressure on the league because the Leafs notoriously are low on power plays. I think they're like 22nd in the league in power Mm -hmm. play opportunities despite being an incredibly good possession team. Uh, But that doesn't really affect Michael Bunting. He's actually phenomenal at drawing penalties. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it's on the bench and in the locker room, I'm I'm not sure. Because on the one hand, I think Tavares' reasoning is completely understandable. And I, I kind of like that. And the idea of being more respectful to referees and humanizing them is a good thing. But on the other hand, there's only so many referees in the league And I feel like these guys know who the referees are already. So unless you're a rookie, maybe it, it seems kind of weird. I know the Leafs are a young team, but they're, they're not that young. I don't know. I'm I'm not sure what to think about it. I think that 
overall, it makes sense, but uh, it's just odd. Yeah, it's odd. That's the thing I keep coming back to. I think at the end of the day, this is just harmless. It's not going to amount to anything. I mean, you said that fans can already see who's refing each game yep. because it's already put out there. But uh, it's you know. different if, like, the Scouting the Refs Twitter does it as sure. opposed to, like, the Toronto Maple Leafs official. Yes, there, it's, it looks different, but th that information is at least out there for fans yes. to see. Um, so, like, it's it's odd. And, like I said, I, I keep coming back to it because, it, you know, it... I don't know. It is just you've. I've never seen this situation before in the NHL. It feels ultimately at its heart harmless because they're, you know, they're just the names of the officials that are on the ice at that time. That really doesn't feel like it can be used to any harm. It just feels like it sends a very strange message, especially like publicly. Maybe internally, it makes more sense. And <clears throat> I think you're right in that what Tavares is saying rings truth to it. Like you know, knowing somebody's name can create a personal connection. Whether it be, you know, you know, like, especially in the heat of a moment, you know, where, you know, your, you know, your temper can get the best of you if, you know, try and, you know, create that bridge of trust. I think that there's something to that. Um, but just like publicly, the perception just feels odd, given what we know about this year about Toronto's penalty woes. And like they're, you know, they've had calls go against them or not no calls at all. Um, and there have been complaints about it from at least the fans. I don't remember specifically if any players have spoken out about it, but you know, <clears throat> publicly, this just feels a little strange and it's not something you see every day. Like I said, I can, I cannot remember like anything like this happening in the NHL, at least from my memory. And maybe it's because it's the Maple Leafs and they're covered so extensively is maybe why, we're seeing this like if i hadn't seen that video from tsn or whatever i probably wouldn't have known this had existed and maybe you're not going to get that like in like a market anywhere else like in your i don't know your like any of the california teams like if this was happening somewhere else where this isn't as big of a market maybe it's not as advertised as much but mm -hmm. i don't know like you're right this is just odd and we'll see if it does anything for them like just I don't know. It, it's hard to it, it's hard to say if anything is going to happen because you know we're watching from our TVs. We're not there in the arena. It might be a little more like you might be able to see more because when you're at when you're at hockey arenas, you can see more. You can see how plays develop better and whatnot. But you can also see the interactions between people better because you're not limited to a camera. So maybe this will change something in the way that the Leafs interact with the refs. But I don't know. I it's at least harmless to me. Like, I, I I can't get mad over it. I just, you know, question the timing and question the reasoning because of yeah. the stuff that has happened to the Maple Leafs this year. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe we just haven't heard it, but maybe the Leafs have an issue with, like, because they've been undercalled re in recent years, they just have an issue with too many of their players chirping the refs, and they decided to do this to try to cut that down a little bit and maybe get uh, some more favorability, build better relationships. Yeah. It could be, you know, like this could be completely uh, well-intentioned and a good thing, but it just feels weird. Yeah, it just feels weird. <laughs> yeah, I think that's but, the only takeaway. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And uh, I mean, playoff officiating is going to be what it is. And it feels like, you know, we haven't, I don't know, maybe I've just been absorbed in too much basketball recently because, uh, you know, playoffs are happening and I have to cover that. I haven't seen as much hockey recently, but it doesn't, it, you know. We haven't had a big, you know, officiating blow up in like a couple weeks. 
So I don't know if we're due for one, like, probably. you know, we're probably due for one before the, you know, the playoffs begin that that directly correlates to, you know, a loss or some sort of, you know, momentum shift, because as they always do, or in the playoffs, because you know what's coming. It's just, I don't know, we'll, we'll see how this goes with the Maple Leafs. And, you know, I think overall, though, players building better relationships with the refs and, like you said, humanizing them, not only to the players, but to the fans, too. It can only be good things. I know we talk a lot of smack about referees in this podcast, and I think I mentioned this before that, you know, us talking smack mostly is because of the mandates from Gary Bettman and George Peros and stuff. Sure, the officials are the ones that call the games, and probably some of them do agree with it. But I think our all our complaining means is we want more for the NHL and we want better for the sport yeah, overall. Yeah, we just expect better. That's all. Yeah, yeah, we just expect better, and maybe this is the start of you know some things for the referees like i don't know like i don't think every team's gonna do this but maybe this you know starts some sort of like you know and maybe it's like an olive branch basically it starts from the maple leafs players to the to the officials i don't know in in the perfect world yeah in the perfect world you know officiating wouldn't be as much of a problem because it feels like every week or every other week we come on talking about some sort of nonsense and we do the same old song and dance about how the nhl is never going to change but it has to change and it won't change because the this is the way it wants it called but you know stuff like this is at least you know heartwarming to see because i don't know it's different than the usual um it may not impact like it may not impact anything that fans see but maybe it you know garners the leafs more respect with the refs and therefore you know they not that they get better calls but you know, there's there's more respect there. And I think at the end of the day, that's what we really want is just the game to be better, the refs to be better. And, you know, it refereeing is a tough thing in the NHL, Andrew. It really is. I do not envy that job at all. They, I mean, refs, refing is tough in any sport, but it feels like hockey is put on such a microscope because of the way things are in this league, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a... It's kind of a shame that it is the way it is, but I think we've talked enough about refereeing and we're going to, you know, head on to the next topic, which I just thought of as a fun thought experiment uh, because the uh, president's trophy means basically nothing. And is there a way that we can make it mean something coming up? We will talk about that right after this. BetOnline.net is your number one sports for- source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find out all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the major league baseball season bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs esports and more head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action bet online where the game starts okay andrew so like i teed up before the break i had this really fun thought experiment as i was scrolling through the hockey reddit which i usually do when I don't know what to talk about on this show. And sometimes they give me good ideas. Uh, and I saw somebody mention the president's trophy and it got me thinking, should the president's trophy matter more in the NHL? And I thought about this. Okay. All right. So that's it. We've at least established the baseline because as it stands right now, the president's trophy is essentially meaningless for the team that wins it. Um, and it's oftentimes thought of as a curse too, at least by fans. If you win the president's trophy, it feels like your odds of winning the Stanley cup, go down drastically why i don't know it's not as bad as the you know madden cover curse but it feels like i don't know sometimes you get years where you know it feels like this curse is a thing and you know i mean i feel like what was it the tampa bay lightning had that historic year and then got swept out of the playoffs 
Uh, I mean, it, it happens and it just feels like it's kind of a curse. But overall, there is no reward for a team for, you know, winning the President's Trophy race. And worse I, than that, if you raise a banner, you're made fun of. Yeah, exactly. And I know that obviously the playoffs matter, but what about the other 82 games each team plays, Andrew? Do they not matter outside yeah, of, a lot know, of making money for the league? Yeah, it's a lot of games to play for just jockeying for position in the playoffs, right? Uh, I have an idea for this. Okay, good, because I I was hoping this segment would be throwing out wacky ideas to make the President's Trophy race fun, because at the moment it really isn't, and it doesn't matter outside of jockeying for position, so go on. Yeah, so I have an idea for this. I just thought it up now, so it might be totally insane, but you tell me. All right. The President's Trophy winning team next year their cap goes up by $5 million. Ooh. See, I wanted to, one of my thoughts was giving the President's Trophy winning team an extra home game in the playoffs, like basically perpetual, uh, you know, home ice advantage plus a game. Um, I don't know what hockey purists would think of these ideas. I, I'm kind of on board with it, uh, but. You could You could do, even if you don't give them an extra home game, each round, you could do the first three games are Ooh, home games, right? Yeah, I mean that that is that is pretty big. I mean, sure, you don't get it. Like it, it can kind of mess you up if you don't, you know, take advantage of the first three home games and then are kind of you know stuck with the unevenness of the rest of the series. But yeah, but if you don't take advantage and you're the President's Trophy winner, then that's yeah. kind of on you. <laughs> yeah, but I I like the cap idea. I just in there's no way a current and like the NHL teams would go for that. That's too much of I mean, an advantage for I know. I think yeah. it's interesting because I mean you know we talk all about you know teams like com- competitive teams feel like they get stifled because they have to you know m- manage under the cap and you know five million dollars isn't an insignificant amount. It can you know help you extend somebody that you know you thought you might lose add a you know key player to the middle of your lineup uh shore up like your goaltending position like you know that that's a really interesting thought and like there's a lot of ideas here like i said my thought was you know add an additional home game i like the trio of home games at the beginning so you go what three home games two away that's five then one home then one away something like that yeah yeah that that equates to seven yeah you could do like uh three three and one right no you could you could do that uh but i like that idea i mean i think i I also had written in the doc um just like a money check from the league kind of like they do for the all-star game i know that's like very basic but that feels like the most inoffensive thing yeah they do that in the playoffs too right it's like uh, you get a certain amount of money for winning each round True. yeah that's that's true you get a certain amount of money for winning each round but maybe you know that's an additional thing they add on top if you win the president's trophy um you know just as an incentive because you know clubs love their money but i that feels like the most inoffensive thing that isn't going to rock the boat too much especially if it's already happening in the nhl um and i don't know the other thing i thought was just like play like playoff incentives like like what you said like the home games thing i'm trying to think of what else could possibly like work for something like this but it's a really interesting thought experiment because it's a shame that the president's trophy doesn't like it doesn't mean anything. And what's the reward for getting through like being the best of the teams in an 82 game season, you raise a banner and people make fun of you that that shouldn't be how it is. The regular season should mean something outside of, you know, jockeying for position in the playoffs. We, we slog through this entire season. And for what, like, 
to get to the playoffs. Sure, that's how every sport is, but it just, I don't know. It doesn't. Well, not every as... sport. I mean, right. soccer doesn't have playoffs, right? Okay. The well, regular season is it. Yeah, it's true. To be fair, I don't really watch a lot of soccer, but you make a good point there. The regular season is it. The what, the NHL will never transfer to that because the playoffs no, no, are no. But the big moneymaker. But... We got to give some respect to the regular season, right? And yeah. I think there's like this idea that players don't try during the regular season, but like you have to try a little bit to get to the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. You really do. And it just, I don't know. I mean, if you guys, if like the listeners or watchers have any thoughts, let us know. But it's just a really interesting idea because it feels like it should matter more. It really does. It is. I, I, it just kind of feels like an afterthought at the end of the season. Like, oh, the president's trophy race, uh, you know, it, it really doesn't mean anything. And, you know, this year it'd be a lot of fun because you've got, you know, the two top teams in the in both leagues. You've got the Florida Panthers and Colorado Avalanche with the same, well, nearly the same record. The Florida Panthers are 55, 15, and 6 for 116 points. And the Colorado Avalanche are 55, 16, and 6 with 116 points. And the Colorado Avalanche just lost on Wednesday night. So I don't know. I feel like it would add more drama to the end of the season. Like if they're, if you know, you got these playoff races, but then, you know, teams that are already locked in for the playoff are also fighting for something else. So it just, it, it feels like a lost opportunity for the NHL to generate some more hype around their season and make things, you know, matter more, especially for the teams up top. I mean, I know teams up top want to, you know, eventually start to rest their star players um, because, you know, you want to avoid injury, but, Still, you can at least make these games a little bit more competitive at the very end of the season and make them mean something. It's just, I don't know. I this this feels like another segment where we're like, Gary Bettman, make us commissioner instead because we have Seriously. such great ideas. And I mean, imagine how much more fun the league could be. Yeah, if, if we instituted just some of the changes that we've come up with this season. Exactly, exactly. You know? We just want at the end of the day, we both just want it to be fun. And it's, um, it's entertainment at the end yeah. of the day. That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. And making the President's Trophy matter more, I think, would do a lot for, you know, just the excitement at the end of the season. Because, I mean, I know the playoff race is a, is a little bit better now than it was looking like a couple weeks ago for the NHL. But, like, I don't know. It Usually the playoff races only matter for the, you know, teams trying to squeak in. But, like, mm -hmm. there's not really a lot for the teams up the top. And, you know, I don't think raising that, you know, President's Trophy banner should be mocked by people. Because it, it is an accomplishment to have grinded out an 82-game season and be the best of all teams. That that should mean something more than just a banner. And it's a really big accomplishment, in my opinion. 100% but, it should. All right. Well, I think we've had enough of the hockey talk um, for this one. So, like I said, though, if you guys have any suggestions on, you know, how this could possibly work in the NHL, I'd love to hear them. Because then we can shout you out on the next episode and, you know, have more ideas in this, you know, thought chamber that we've been thinking of but coming up next is our pop culture segment uh you know we're going to talk about some stuff i see andrew added a few interesting things to the doc so i'm excited to hear his thoughts on that oh, that'll be coming up right after this this episode is brought to you by rock auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need while and are often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. 
Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you? Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, Andrew. So, pop culture segment. You've written down two things that we've talked about in the past, but I'm curious... Uh, I don't know which which one do you want to start with because I, I I'm curious about them both. Uh, but you know, pick whatever you want to you, you want to start with because I'm curious. Okay, I will start with Moon Knight because right. that's right. freshest right. in my brain. We, I watched it yesterday, mm-hmm. and I have like less to say about it because I don't want to do a bunch of spoilers. But last week I wasn't sure if Moon Knight was going to be like good or just okay. Like there was some good groundwork being laid. I really like the how it was stylistically. I like the director. I like some of the things like the plot lines being laid, but I wasn't sure this week. I'm pretty sure that it's going to be really good. It was it was wild. This episode, it was really cool. It was like half Indiana Jones meets Tomb Raider meets Uncharted and half like absolute mind bender. So really interesting. Oscar Isaac is incredible in this. Like every episode, it seems like he's fallen into the characters more and more. Mm -hmm. And you notice more of the differentiations he has between going through the different personalities. It's incredible. He's he's just knocking it out of the park. Oh, okay. Maybe I will watch it. It's just finding the time, Andrew. It's finding that it's hard to find the time sometimes, really. But okay, I hear that. Yeah. And the other that I had was uh, I finally watched the Batman because it's available. All right. On All right. Now. That's what I want to watch shortly. It's just like I said, finding the time. Yeah. Um, it's good. <laughs> it's beautifully shot. The atmosphere of Gotham City, I think, is the best they've ever done on film. It feels like it's ripped straight out of the Arkham games. Some mm-hmm. of the set design, I think, straight up is. Uh, stolen from the Arkham games, which is fine with me, because <laughs> if you find something amazing like the Arkham games, copy the hell out of it because mm-hmm. they are fantastic. They're the best Batman media since Batman, the animated series. Mm-hmm. I think the acting is really good. I enjoy the cinematography. <laughs> I enjoy the fact that it was a detective story for the first time in Batman films. And yet I came out of this movie thinking, it's okay. And <laughs> Any that, reason why? I I can't put my finger on it as hmm. like a big reason, but there are a bunch of little things that right. bugged me. And I think part of it is like it's supposed to be a Batman year two story, right? So he's relatively new as Batman, which is essentially the same as Batman Begins, right? But I found this Batman was like, I I think because people had hyped it up so much, I expected more. Hmm. and to the end of the movie, you kind of get some of the character development that people said was there the whole time. But for the most part, it's a very like depressed, glowery Batman. An emo Batman, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And 
I don't know. It's okay for a bit. And after a while, you're like, I don't give Robert Pattinson something to work with here because he's mm-hmm. just his voice doesn't really change throughout. It's mm-hmm. all the same tone. Mm-hmm. And you can see him in his facial acting as Bruce Wayne. There's different uh, levels of emotional range. But for the most part in the movie, he's stuck in one spot and never really moves. So there's there's more Batman screen time in this movie than any other movie ever like you see a lot of the criticisms that have come up of the dark Knight recently about how it doesn't hold up very well is it's more of a joker movie than a batman movie mm-hmm. true joker is definitely the driving force in that movie in this movie i feel like the people who are saying that joker is the driving force are ignoring the fact that the riddler is 100 percent the driving force mm-hmm. of this movie it's not batman controlling things or uh like you're following him a lot he has the most screen time, but he's not the one who's driving the plot. He's mm-hmm. reacting to everything. So it's like, I don't know. I just expected more. Mm-hmm. And they're just these little things like the fight choreography, I think, could have been better. The way that uh, Robert Pattinson walked was weird to me. Like he's always walking with his arms down like he mm-hmm. can't put his arms to his sides. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like Batman walking towards people trying to be intimidating when to me, Batman should be like, hiding in the shadows mm-hmm. and surprising people and stoking fear. Maybe I, it's like, I see that the atmosphere of the Arkham games, but I don't see the mechanics of mm-hmm. the Arkham games. If you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I want a bit more of that. Not necessarily what they did in uh, Batman versus Superman, where it wasn't even Ben Affleck fighting. It was just CGI Batman flying all over the place, pounding people through the floor and stuff. That was mm-hmm. like the Arkham game combat. We don't need that keep it realistic mm-hmm. but i don't i don't know it just felt a little empty at mm-hmm. the end of the day i'm still excited to watch it uh just because i've really come around on robert pattinson uh he's a great actor yeah yeah and you know he's like you said great actor you know i am kind of excited to see i guess a moody uh batman i don't really care about batman that much but for some reason this is it got me at least intrigued from all the good things but maybe i'll come in with a little lower expectations and see if they meet them uh because i, think- I don't really have any like outside i did watch the you know i guess the dark knight trilogy whatever that trilogy of movies i guess is called yes yeah, uh, trilogy. yeah so i did watch that but that was years ago and i didn't watch them in theaters sorry to say like <laughs> DC superheroes aren't really my favorite superheroes, but I will watch them sometimes if they are interesting. Yeah. But- See, and I think this is where I think Batman has a big disadvantage for me, right? Mm-hmm. Is I grew up reading Batman comics, watching Batman the animated series, playing Batman video games, watching uh, the Batman, Batman Returns, mm-hmm. that series. And I really loved the Dark Knight trilogy at the time even though you can see the flaws pointed out years later, mm-hmm. uh, especially with Christopher Nolan's filmmaking and some of the choices that he makes. But there's other superheroes like Moon Knight, who we talked about, Shang-Chi, right? We both mm-hmm. really like Shang-Chi. I didn't read Shang-Chi comics. Yeah. Right? They can come in, Marvel can, and create a movie about Shang-Chi that is you know, not necessarily accurate to the comic, and I have no preconceived notions of what I need Shang-Chi to be. Mm-hmm. Same goes for like Guardians of the Galaxy. Less so with like Captain America, Iron Man, Thor. Yeah. But with their more obscure characters, they can do most like whatever they want, really. And as long as they make a good movie, most people are pleased. Batman has 
the weight of expectations like I think no other character has because he has this huge history and he's popular as like it's been how many movies with Batman now Four in that original trilogy, plus like the sixties movie, the three Nolan movies, Batman versus Superman, justice league. We've never had a Batman detective story first time ever, you know? So that's cool. But like, there's so many aspects to Batman and everyone wants everything to be in this movie. Right. And, and that's tough. And yeah. They, put, they did jam a lot into this movie. I feel like I came out of it feeling a lot of the same feelings as I felt with eternals. I was like, mm-hmm. I like it, but it was a lot. <laughs> you know, like okay. I remember talking about the Dark Knight with a friend of mine, and he was really upset because in the Dark Knight, Batman didn't use his grapple gun, and that's <laughs> like one of the main things in Batman mythos. And it's like, well, I mean, you can't use every single gadget in every single movie, mm-hmm. you know. So there's always going to be something for people to nitpick. Yeah, but it was a good movie. Well, that's good. I. Maybe because I don't have the weight of Batman mythos expectations on me that I will enjoy it because, uh, I don't know, I I never read comics growing up. So a lot of the superhero stuff I got in through Marvel and I guess also the DC TV shows, I watched those for in, while I was in college until I was not able to keep up with the amount of TV they threw at me every week. Uh, but yeah, maybe I'll come into it with, you know, lower expectations and be pleasantly surprised because I don't have a lot of, you know, expectations on the the Batman mythos overall, but before we head off, I wanted to say I started Our Flag Means Death um, the other day. I'm so and glad you watched it. Yeah, yeah, I'm still, I'm only a couple episodes in, but I thought it was just, you know, at least, uh, you know, pertinent to talk about it, just because we, you had talked about it, and I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, they had only just really teased Blackbeard, uh, I assume I'm going to meet him in the next episode. I've finished two episodes out of I don't know how many. So, you know, the big tease at the end was Blackbeard. And I'm like, oh, wait, I know who you are. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I've heard obviously a lot of really good things about the show, you know, from you, Andrew, from, you know, people I follow on social media. It's kind of one of the biggest things in entertainment right now, I think, um, in terms of, you know, the amount of people talking about it and, you know, what it brings to the table in terms of a representation and whatnot. So uh, I'm really looking forward to continuing it. Also, it's nice because it's a half hour show. Um, I feel like I can, you know, watch it in little chunks. I can't believe I've become one of those people. That's like 45 minutes is a lot to dedicate, but (laughs) it's because the amount of time I've got, I've got so much stuff going on in my life, but, you know, hopefully I will make time for Moon Knight and Batman and other things. Uh, but I think we're going to leave it at that. And that is all we have for you today on the Crosscheck NHL Show. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice from Apple to Odyssey to Spotify and YouTube and rate and reveal us where at it. You can follow the pod at Crosscheck NHL on Twitter, me at Mary C. Clark on Twitter, and Andrew at Andrew Berkshire on Twitter. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL Show your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. We'll be back on Tuesday with some more puck talk, but now make your second listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Hosts Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.